Welcome to Live from the Vault, the Harrisman Podcast. I'm Chad Coleman, here with my trusty co-host, DeAndre Dow. Yes, sir. How you doing, DeAndre? I'm blessed, man. I'm healthy and vibrant. How you feeling? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. It's been a weird week, uh, you know, holiday week. I always feel like there's, um, you know, five days of work to do in four days. But, right. But I had a blessed uh, Memorial Day. How was yours, man? Did you get out of the house at all, or were you... Right. Uh, I actually just uh, wrapped up my first week of training camp. You know, I boxed. So that felt good. It felt productive. Got other things I got cooking up. So no complaints. Nice, man. I was thinking that you looked all cut up today when you came in. I man. appreciate you back you, in the man. boxing mode, huh? If I could blush, I would. I promise you. I appreciate <laughs> no <one. laughs> Well, even on podcasting, no one would be able to see you blushing anyway. Uh, <laughs> even if you could. Is that really a thing? Can I be honest? Can I, we have a real conversation right. about that? I think that's debatable. Is it? Okay. Yeah, I think that might be for the next episode. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that might be exclusive right there. Yeah, so. yeah. Break it all down. DeAndre is going to hook us up there. Um, yeah, if you don't know, DeAndre is the founder of No Cap World, a, an awesome uh, fashion brand uh, startup. Always like to give you a little shout out for that. Follow him at nocap.world. Yes, sir. I appreciate that chat. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we are super excited to have uh, Hero Smith members, Carlos and Alana from Hoods Denver com Hoods Denver Real Estate, and uh, we're excited to have them. We wanted to uh, welcome Carlos. Welcome, Alana. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. We're doing great. Thank you, Chad. Awesome. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I feel really blessed to just be in this room because all three of you are super early adopters to the whole Herosmith concept, so thank you guys for being super geniuses and 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 uh, being so loyal to hang out this whole time. But, um, but yeah, you know, uh, so you guys have a really interesting agency where you, uh, you know, real estate agency where, you know, you really, really don't see yourself as real estate agents as much as matchmakers for the perfect, you know, uh, Denver uh, metro uh, or central Denver neighborhood. And I'm just curious, you know, um, how has this last couple of months been for you guys? I mean, it must have been pretty wild uh, with uh, obviously COVID-19 uh, kind of controlling everyone's lives. And and I know you guys were shut down for a while. So can, we, can, we, can you, either one of you kind of give me the uh, the kind of overview of what these last couple of months have been like for you? Sure. Carlos, you want me to start? Go ahead. So I think the first thing that we saw once they stopped allowing showings was an immediate effect on listings. Often a lot of sellers will just pull their house off the market and then wait to relist once things open back up. People were still showing houses, but maybe they were going and doing virtual tours for their clients and presenting them that way or possibly opening up the door and then letting them go through, even if that yeah. maybe wasn't what in, was intended or necessarily allowed, but it was going on because houses were still going under contract during that that time. So unfortunately, when it hit it and the shutdown happened, that is probably one of the busiest times of year that we have. In fact, I think it is the busiest time sure, of year summer, that we like have. Sure, summer, like in the summer, basically. You, well, right? usually we see the uptick begin in the, in the end of February into March. Mm-hmm. That's when really hmm. people are starting to list because buyers are realizing the sooner you get into the marketplace right. and you're not bogged down in that traditionally busy time, which people think of as April and May and maybe even June, but not really June here. So mm, normally the, how it follows kind of in, in the Denver metro area is June and July are typically very, very slow in mm-hmm. into August, and then it will get busy again come September. So now what we're seeing is a delayed in that time frame where we would probably start getting into a slower mode coming June. Mm. It's actually really busy. 
So, um, so everything basically got pushed back maybe by a couple correct. months. Correct. I would or say so. by, yeah, definitely by a couple of months when they started allowing showings on the 27th of last month. Um, you really didn't see too much. I don't believe we saw too much of a change. The change really coincided when when Denver actually reopened. So the, the whole ninth, city. Yes. Right. And that's when we really started to see things turning and happening and showings, re- requested showings, buyers coming into the marketplace mm-hmm. because I personally have some that have come into the marketplace that were completely off my radar, but because they had spent the last two months locked down in a house <laughs> that they bought when their lives were different. Right. They now want a different house. Yeah. It's like people sort of realize like, Oh, they really got to know their houses over the last couple months. Yeah, right? and, yeah. And, and when you buy a house, when you're single and now you're married with kids, that house doesn't fit your needs that you have anymore. And that is playing out. I'm sure that everybody has yeah, clients like that. Right. Absolutely. No, that's fascinating. And then one of the things that you mentioned that I didn't realize, I knew that, showings were sort of shut down and uh for a while right like you could mm-hmm. not, was you it couldn't all- do any in, technically you could not do in-person showings wow yep. obviously huge it's just now mm-hmm. when people were removing their their listings you said a lot of people when this thing happened they just removed it do you think there was like were they thinking they didn't want that like time on the market to be too high was it just literally like almost like a marketing thing where absolutely they could have kept it on the market but they just pulled it off so it didn't look like it had been on the market forever meaning sure Yeah, well, I mean, we're still an ultra-sensitive market when it comes to looking at the days on market. Mm. And there still is the assumption that if it sits for a certain period of time, there's something wrong with it. And so if you're sitting for 56 days or whatever it was, because I listed during that time, and it sat for 56 days with hardly any showings. And then the second it all switched, showings began, and now that property's under contract. But I did have to lower the price. So, I mean, the people who took it off, yeah. Benefited from that. They also, if you're living in an owner occupied property and you are concerned about the virus being passed. Right. From the from people coming to look at it, right? Yeah, it's like, really yeah. difficult that to want people scary. into your house. Well, this from from for, you know, if you have a vacant property, I think it was a lot easier to just leave it and let things happen. Sure. Um so I'm sure that played into it a lot. Um and now there are uh, you know, pretty rest- high restrictions on what you have to follow when you do show a property. Even so. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are those like? Mm. Masks. Well, of course the masks, mm. if, if gloves are supplied, you're supposed to wear the gloves or you can wear your own in. Um, if they don't have them, then you have to use hand sanitizer. You're not allowed to touch anything. Your agent that is with you needs to bring like a sanitizing wipe and wipe down everything that is touched like a door, something that wow, you have to handles. touch to get into the house. Sure. Um, the lockbox. If you, uh, you either have to have to remove your shoes or wear booties because you know that people, when they get home, lick the floors <laughs> after, I just don't understand it. But anyway, so <laughs> because the virus can be on the sole of your shoe. Um, so that, and it makes it hard. Like if you really, if well, you're wanting to see a lot of houses at once, because normally it's got to slow everything it down. Does. I it mean, when I was buying down. a house, I looked at, I mean, in this crazy, it was 2018, so the market was probably, I mean, obviously, even COVID aside, even crazier than maybe this year would have been, or last year was. I felt like 18 was a big peak. I, I think 18 know. was a pretty busy year, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so 
Um, it's exhausting and very time consuming. We it saw is. like five a day and we would be exhausted afterwards. And you probably weren't alone, right? When you would go look at a house, other parties were coming. You can't do yeah. that anymore. Right. Oh, no, wow. you can't have any overlapping. So how does that work? Showings. Like if you show up at a property and there are other people around. You have to reserve them. You oh, can't, it's all reserved yeah, now. You can't book. Well, you always did, but yeah. you could the overlapping appointments were allowed. They're not anymore. Okay. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Now, so, you know, one of the things I think that's great about uh, Hoods, your uh, agency, and uh, is that it, you guys really have a specialization in the Denver market, like, you know, central Denver, right? That's kind of like your big thing, right? You know, being it's in, our high, it's our higher point of concentration for sure. Right. Yeah. Obviously, you can you can certainly do more than that. But do you think, though, like because, you know, there's a lot of reports that while for the last goodness, I don't know, 20 years or so, there's been an urbanization of America, people getting more and more condensed in cities. Are you guys worried that like with the COVID thing, you know, now there's reports that people are thinking, well, geez, you know, I could, you know, maybe I should live further out or be away from other people, that kind of stuff. Do you think it'll have an effect on a market like Denver? Or do you think that's just a temporary kind of, you know, uh, fears, you know, kind of rearing their ugly heads and it'll go back to the way things were before. I don't, I think as of today, people are still moving here. And so it's hard to say what the long-term effect is going to be. Right. But I think there is a certain population and I'm one of them who is just an urban being. Mm -hmm. And if we had to move out of the city, we'd be like fish out of water. <laughs> right. Right. And I, I agree with that completely. It's hard to know since no one's ever been through a situation like this before, how it's going to affect real estate. But we're lucky in Denver that we were already, we had a lack of housing. So if, unfortunately, if we lived in a city where it was a seller or a buyer's market and mm -hmm. then this happened, boy, I don't even know. Right. It would be very difficult to get through. Um, but I think we're going to be I have the feeling that we're going to be okay. I think it's and going it, to recover. Yeah, I, I mean, I Denver's do. such a great, mm -hmm. such a balanced city. I mean, you can live in downtown Denver and be in the mountains in yeah. 30 minutes, you know, if that's kind of your thing. And I'm sure so. that there will be a percentage of people who decide that they want to live in Highlands Ranch for some reason. And, <laughs> and, uh, and those are probably people that we would be fine if they, I mean, We'd help them, of course, sure. if they were existing clients or something. They probably don't necessarily wouldn't come to us since that's not our specialty. Right. But, I mean, I feel like if they would move over something like this, they probably would end up moving anyway. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of the pattern is also people who end up having children. Yeah. You know, that's in every, every city, right? It's sure. There's a portion everywhere. of people that will decide that. But at the same time, if they can find but, – but you're right. The, the urbanization is definitely the trend, and mm -hmm. people with children – would prefer to stay in the city versus move out. Right. So, yeah. I mean, this is just a different aspect of it. If you have, if you're a person who's has fears, then yeah, then this is going to affect you and you're probably going to want to distance yourself. For sure. But I don't know that those people would want to live in a city and go on like mass transit anyway. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's been such a weird thing. I can't imagine. I mean, RTD here in Denver had such trouble before, before this. Before, yeah. I can't imagine <laughs> what's going on right now. Frightening, frightening concepts. Uh, I mean, I, but I guess their problem, it might have actually helped them in the sense, because I think their big problem was just that they didn't have enough drivers and stuff for the bus system. Yeah. And, and so that was an issue there. Um, what about this whole, you know, obviously, like all of us for, I mean, I know I worked from home for eight weeks before reopening our, our studios here. And, um, 
you know, I, I think that's another aspect too that people are are and companies are starting to realize, like, hey, our people our people can work from home. And I think if that becomes more normal, I think you'll see two things. And I, I want to get your opinion. This is just a guesstimate for me, but I feel like cities will might grow sort of wider, you know, like Denver, you know, most people think of like Denver proper is the city itself actually isn't that huge. Right. Right. It's, um, but but like, yeah, like, and I don't even really consider where Harrismith is. I mean, technically our address is Denver, but like, you know, we're past Colorado. So (laughs) most old school Denver people think, Oh, that's the, you know, that's out in the boonies, you know, and it's just literally like Colorado and Monaco or whatever. Um, but anyway, do you think like the work from home thing is just going to make cities expand more? Or do you feel like, again, that might just be a thing where it doesn't really matter? Um, you know, or do you think it might encourage people to move more into the suburbs? I think there was a trend not to expand, but to go up. All right. Denver, which is kind of new. Like thinking about the Colorado, for example, all of downtown, the, what is it? The Royal yeah. apartment building as well. Mm-hmm. And so if you're working from home, it doesn't matter whether it's out, right. Up, yeah. Right. I think it's your priority of lifestyle, right. Which certainly we've had to put on hold sure. for a while, but as of yesterday, that's starting to, to change. We still don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. But, um, do you guys feel like the market's coming back? Like it's bouncing back pretty well overall, or are you kind of disappointed by the, I just mean like, you know, anecdotally, I'm not looking for, you know, I don't don't know if you have like stats on hand or something, but, but I just mean like anecdotally, now that we've reopened, did you expect like a big flood of people and, and it's been a a small trickle or has it been pretty, you know, pretty consistent at what it would be in a normal year now that we've reopened things? I think that it was kind of a flood of people Mm. for, for myself. Um, again, it's so hard to determine yeah. like the long, long-term effects of this. I mean, Denver is a desirable place to live. So because of that, I think we just automatically, we're not going to see some of the ramifications that other cities are going to see. And back to your point about uh, people working from home, I think that's going to help the Denver market Interesting. hugely because people want to live here. Right. So and people you, could be working for a company in California, but living in yes, downtown Denver. Because it's a di- desirable area to live. Um, I already have clients like that. And now if that's just going to be exponentially increased, yeah. I think that will help. It will help us a lot. Nice. Alana and I both work from home. And sometimes from the ski slopes, I have been like on, on ski trips where Okay, I've got to talk to clients, but right. I, can, I still have phone reception. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Who do you use? I get no reception out there. You must not be on Sprint. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no. Yeah, that's so true. And I think that, you know, it's funny because, you know, uh, DeAndre and I have talked about how, you know, all of us kind of folks, you know, entrepreneurs, we've been down with this work from home thing for a while, you yeah. know. Um, but I think now that big corporations are starting to realize mm-hmm. like this, this is great. I mean, imagine the amount of money that a huge oh, fortune yeah. 500 spends on commercial real estate right. every year, like leases and rents and, and purchasing those buildings. Mm-hmm. That's actually, I think the, I think the housing market will come back. I mean, if it was good before, like here, like it was here in Denver um, and good's probably an understatement, right? It was mm-hmm. pretty freaking amazing. Um, but I think the, the commercial 
real estate market is going to office space will probably take a big hit. Yeah. Yep. And I feel really bad for my friends and uh, past and, and clients in the uh, co-working. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know some of those folks just, just reopened, but um, uh, I've got to check in with them and see like how that's going. I should probably have John from ModWorks on at some point and, and kind of check in with him just cause yeah, I mean, that's kind of a, yeah, that's kind of a, a an interesting scenario to try to try to do that. So all those people that said uh, Hero Smith should be co working plus marketing, uh, I will take I will take your apologies now. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's really fascinating. I think that it's going to be, you know, we're going to continue to see this trend of um, companies letting folks work from home. And you're right. I think P- I think Denver is still in a great position. Um, do you have real, do you know any realtors in other parts that, like in maybe other parts of country or different markets that aren't so, cause I feel like our market is pretty special for the last like five years, you know, yeah. it's been one of those markets that, uh, that you, um, you know, where it's like, it's, it's, there's, it's like drinking from a fire hose. Every real estate agent, you know, I'm talking to is like, there's so much, you know, so, so few properties and so many people that want to buy. So right. it's a really competitive. It is still for off, off for many people, it's cheaper to purchase than it is to rent. And as wow. long as that trend continues, you're just going to see people that would rather buy. Yeah, I mean, rents are high here. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but still, even though housing prices have increased in the last, you know, seven years or whatever it's been that we've been in this eight years, I suppose, get it kind of started to turn in 2012. Um, I think you'll you'll continue to see people want to want to buy, and you. Statistically, you see more people moving into the, the city than you see leaving. Any given city or Denver in particular? Denver. Oh yeah, Denver. Yep. Even mm-hmm. even the rental market isn't able to keep up, and you've yep. you've seen all the construction everywhere. Oh yeah, rents are not they're not dropping in price. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was moving here, and they they were just building all these huge. You know, condominium places and still, and, yeah. and they're still building them. It's mm-hmm. like well, I want, apartment buildings, right? Apartment buildings, yeah. really true. Yeah. And I thought, wow, cool, rent will go down. <laughs> not <No>. so much. <laughs> yeah, there's not moved at all. Um, and uh, even though I feel like I bought at the top of the market, it's it's so nice. I mean, obviously, buying is better and fin- 99% of the time than renting financially for your sure. own financial health. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. um, have you guys, um, so, you know, obviously our podcast is, uh, is, is talks a lot, focuses a lot on entrepreneurship. How, how have you guys, um, in the past, like, is it challenging? Do you find it challenging working with entrepreneurs? Because, you know, our money is like often different. We're not like the typical W2 salaried all the time. You know, we've got, uh, the 1099, 1099 and distributions. You guys run into that working with uh, folks or do you not sell to a lot of entrepreneurs? That's why you have really good lenders yeah. that you refer them to because we won't really take that part of anything sure right that's more the, the yeah. mortgage brokers or, mm-hmm. or whatever yeah that's cool no it's just interesting um well so um so you know i wonder if um have you seen more because i know in the height of this market people were buying and putting in offers on houses that they hadn't even seen mm-hmm. like they just literally were putting that's in, still happening is that and still there's happening? still multiple offers as well yes wow one of our former colleagues was just in a situation where she, she's representing buyers. There were 24 offers on, the, on, on that one house. Oh, my God. What this was, the was price like point? last week. It was like in the sevens. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. 
That's that's incredible. Twenty four hours. Are people still doing the whole? Uh, we got caught up in this this game of um, what the heck's it called? Oh, maybe appraisal gap. Oh, you better sure. Yeah, still going on. <laughs> and, All right, and wave your. Insp- I mean, anything you can do, especially if you're up against it. If you're that twenty fourth like person, and you got twenty three other offers to right. beat out. You better do whatever you can. Yeah, well, I think that's a great sign then, because I'd never even heard of that concept until I I bought in a couple of homes before yeah. in Denver, and then. Um, and I, I, you know, I felt like, I don't even know if my realtor going into looking with them, I knew he, he knew of that concept, but we didn't think that would be necessary early on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we quickly found out, yeah, you yeah. know, you better have an extra $15,000 sitting around to, uh, for that old, good old appraisal gap. At yeah. least. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I think too, <laughs> I think why it feels and visually it looks like it's busier right now is because of the last two months listings were so far down. Like I would look at one day and I'd be like, oh my gosh, seven houses went active in Denver, in the city of Denver. That's really, like that's ridiculously low. Right. And then when, as things open back up, I saw all of these listings. That doesn't mean statistically that we are back up where we need to be. Sure. Visually, when you're looking at it, it just seems like so much more because it is more than what we had been seeing for those two months. That's why you're seeing offer, 24 offers on a property because right. even though it feels like a lot, Still, with all the people that are looking to purchase, we are still very depleted in what we have on the sales side. Right. Yeah. Wow. As of the end of April, there were 35% less listings from the year before. And I think, wow. Yep. And I think that probably has something to do with maybe the sellers. Where were they going to go? Why were they selling? Those reasons may have changed and they might want to wait and see how does this whole COVID play out before we list our house and try to buy another house. I mean, yeah. so you're going to see people that were probably considering listing or even head listed withdrew and they're not going to come back. Till maybe and they're just year. waiting it out. Yep, they they're going to wait it out. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, and you can't really blame them, right? I mean, no. obviously it's not ideal for, for you guys, but, but I think everyone in a lot of aspects of the economy are just like, let's see what happens. Yeah. Hey, let's take a breath. Yeah. Yeah. Let's wait, you know, let's see what happens. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, they, there's wisdom in both sides, right? I think in every crisis that America's been through, um, there have been winners and losers, you know? And uh, I mean, you know, if you had a ton of cash when the housing market crashed, you could pick up some great investment sure. properties, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I feel like this, this is such a weird thing. It's like somebody came along and pulled the rug out from under the economy. Somebody did COVID-19, right? But, but, um, and then I'm just, I'm really curious about like, Overall, is it going to be like, is this going to be like years affecting the overall economy and even potentially the real estate market in certain areas of the country? Or is it going to be, okay, you know, things kind of settle down like a month from now, maybe two months and we pop right back up. I mean, it's difficult to predict. It is. I think, I don't think, I think it's too early to tell. I think we have to wait to see how many people get their jobs back Yeah, and and what happens with the unemployment. Mm. And I don't know that we're really going to know. We 100% aren't going to know what has happened with people who already own their homes that have got into a forbearance agreement. And then once that three months is up or whatever, they've, they've been able to work out with their lender. How is that repayment work? I know from experience after being, of being in the lending side of things that, you know, sometimes what they ask to be repaid isn't 
doable for these people. I don't know. Are we going to see a bunch of foreclosures? I think we are. But you do. again, we, yeah. I don't know until um, six months down the road. We'll know. <laughs> yeah. I just don't think we know yet. That's frightening. Yeah. There's no way really to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but just looking at the unemployment rates, I mean, it was falling, falling, falling since 2010. It's been going steadily down. And it's so it's like a it's like a ski slope going down. And then if you look at February, mm-hmm. it's like a wall. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy. I mean, check this out. I mean, I know people on the podcast can't see. You can barely see the line there yeah. for unemployment. It's so it's so straight up and down that it like aligns with just the outside mm-hmm. of the graphic that it's on. It's so if, if that changes and we see short sales and foreclosures come back, then that changes the market completely. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, and you you were a realtor back that back then too. I was a, in developing, so I sold oh. the houses that we built. Ah, okay, all yes. right. Yeah. And that was all during the crash. But wow. I can tell you that when that happened, there were less people in a forbearance program after the crash than there are now. Right. The so forbearance that's a little kinda, scary to think yeah. that more people are in it. A higher percentage of people have have gone to that for help than that did in two thousand and eight and nine. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder, I feel like that time people were, you know, I think people this time around were more like, okay, you know, the government and just the pressure of society, basically, you know, it was just like, you guys have to do something for these people. We have to have a a really solid forbearance program. And I feel like they rolled that out pretty damn quick. But it isn't what, I mean, you really. It was there before. If somebody, I mean, they've always had things like that. But if you. Are considering doing that? I would just make sure you read everything before you just sign up and do it. Yeah, my talk I'm to like, your lender maybe and have it. help with that because once you're through it, how they're not going to just not they're not giving pay. away Heck mortgage no, payments. They're not making. They're not going to let you not make those payments back, and they don't just tack them on to the end. So when you're forbearance, most of them because most of them are Fannie Freddie backed. When your forbearance period is done, you know they could be requiring you to make. So let's say you did the three months forbearance and now your fourth month is due. You have to pay your mortgage payment plus the three months. Wow. So if yeah. you haven't had a job, yeah, how, the hell how are you going to do yeah. that? Now they may change that because I do think that they're working on it. I haven't read anything recently on it, but right. um, it doesn't work the way yeah. that it is right now. But, you know, the government came out with something and they just asked the banks to be okay with this. And I think... <laughs> That probably isn't the best way to do it either. Right, right, yeah. So total change of subject, but I know that like one of the things I love about you guys is you are like the Denver experts, and you know always about town, always meeting really well, interesting not people. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's what yeah. I. That we was like the any, most fun part of our right? job pre-COVID. We haven't I, had any fun in a while. Well, that's right. what I was going to ask you: Are you surviving okay? I mean, like you know, normally your Instagram is filled with amazing oh insights about the best bars and restaurants and uh, any cultural events or and or venues. And uh, well, I mean, goodness. reading about the bars and Denver's and bars and restaurants in Denver right now is a little. Sad, actually. Yeah. I guess we could have posted drinking at home like everybody else is yeah, doing. But... Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 or, or turning a Broadway into Bourbon Street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, because, I mean, gosh, it's got to be, you know, I think 
One of the best things about Denver is we have these really unique communities yeah. peppered throughout that are that are different than each other. Yeah, and uh, so much of that comes from the the small business owners, the restaurants, mm-hmm. and the the little unique shops. Like you know, you think of like Sunnyside or like Low High, and just like they have these little areas of of uniqueness that that are, kind of make them what they are. Right? I mean, obviously. Their location uh, to downtown Denver is important, but but I think it's those things that make it. And and so I mean, have you heard from any of your friends in the in the restaurant industry or the or the, or the you know the bar I guess restaurant and bar industry or seen anything about that? I mean, or are you just like going stir crazy and can't wait? <laughs> well, the of course the takeout business has been thriving. Yeah, I mean that's really it's unfortunate for the servers. Yeah, who've been furloughed or let go. Um, one one business that really stands out to me is Love and Deli. They're so innovative. They've been on social media daily. Nice. They changed it up. They usually do lunches. They do also mm. happy hour wine tasting. <clears throat> they changed it up. They're offering dinners. Okay. So they kind of expanded their menu, their hours to kind of bring in more revenue. Yeah. And have a really like only one uh, takeout dinner item to go per evening. Oh. They publicize it really well and it's easy to go up. They have an outside window. Oh yeah. I know that place. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. So that makes it a lot easier. Right. For yeah. Everybody and less, you know, threatening, I guess. Sure. Yeah. So that's one that's been really impressive. That's awesome. Well, let me ask you this. You've been to so many great places in Denver, like when everything is back to normal <laughs> and whenever you feel comfortable, What's the first place you two are going to go have a, a glass of wine? Because I know you're a wine aficionado. I already checked, and they're not opening till June. Oh. I was going to book a table, and the first place I want to go is Tavernetta. Yeah? Yep. Tell me about Tavernetta. I'm not familiar. It's just an, it's an Italian restaurant down uh, by Union Station. Okay. And the owners, uh, their first restaurant was Frasca's in, in Boulder, if anybody's familiar yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. And so this is their second location. They just do everything very well. Yeah. They have great service. The staff remembers you when you come in. They remember what you drink. I like that kind of thing. Yeah. I have a gluten allergy. They do pasta very, very well. They have a gluten-free pasta. There's, it's just. Mm, that sounds awesome. Unfortunately, I, I can't too. sit at the bar, which is my favorite place to sit, but. Yeah. I'll wait. Well, yeah. Maybe, maybe <laughs> after June, maybe. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere. Maybe. I would hope in the next phase. Yeah. will allow that, but. Right. Hey, I'm just happy to go sit. And eat somewhere besides my table. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or out of something that's eat something. Like I would just be happy to eat it on a plate. <laughs> All my food has been in styrofoam and or yeah. plastic. It's like, you know, I mean, I guess I could put it on a plate at my house, but, but yeah, then I got to do more. Does that mean you're Forget not cooking? That. Is everything no. is taken? I am. So, I'm actually lucky. No, I, 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 I've been minimal on the takeout because my wife actually is celiac. I didn't realize you had a gluten allergy. Mm-hmm. So my wife is celiac and I'm very sensitive to gluten. And so we've been off gluten for over seven years now. And my wife, uh, lucky me, loves to cook and bake. So this is how I am able. My COVID-19 is all right here, (laughs) right between my belt and my (laughs) chest. (laughs) I put on the extra COVID-19. 
But yeah, so I've been lucky because, you know, obviously she cooks all the time anyway, just because it's hard to get gl- good gluten-free stuff. It I is. mean, Denver is great for that. I mean, we have We're the so number one gluten-free city in the U.S. I did not know, I that. know that. I believe yes. that a thousand percent. We are. Yeah. My family's mm-hmm. from the South. They want to know nothing about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they know Waffle House mm-hmm. and Crackle Barrel. Nice. You know I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Waffle That's House awesome. has gluten-free pancakes. They do? And wow. waffles, I guess, right. probably waffles, too. Yeah, right. Waffle yeah, House. yeah. Why wouldn't they, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's so that's yeah, we were because we moved here from Orlando and there was like three restaurants we could go to in Orlando. And, you know, granted, it was like, gosh, I guess that was like 2013 that we were in Orlando. So, you know, maybe it's better now, but but we were just blown away by the amount of gluten free options here. So, uh, yeah, but that's we've been cooking a lot. And uh, it's actually my wife's birthday today. And uh, so. I got off easy because I didn't even have to make a reservation this time. Right. Like, there's like, I literally <laughs> yeah. couldn't make a dinner reservation. Yes, you could. Uh, well, I didn't now know that. Now I can. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. they opened up like the day before her birthday. And she's like, yep. well. They opened up yesterday. In fact, Westwood Magazine has a whole list. Of, of all... places that are open right now. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So um, you guys are going to celebrate at home? Yeah. Well, because I said to her, well, they did open the restaurants uh, yesterday or today. I was talking mm-hmm. to her yesterday about this. And uh, she said. Oh, I wouldn't want to go to a restaurant right now. Really? Yeah. I can't yeah. wait to go. She's Carlos just worried about I'm going drinks. tonight. Carlos, and he went wow. to lunch yesterday at Cuba Cuba. Mm. Yeah. I think you're going to have a mix Love of people. Cuba, Cuba. Yep. I just talked to my homeboy last night. He said, I don't think I'm ready, bro. I'm like, so you're going to have a mix of people that are reluctant. Because, you know, we pretty much mm-hmm. been in the house these last 60 plus days and everything. Then you're going to have people that felt so cooped up. And it's like Groundhog's Day to them now. You feel me? They yeah. can't wait to get out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I I agree. I actually see that at Herosmith too. You know, we're kind of like a retail-ish marketing agency. And there were definitely people I was like really surprised. Like, well, actually, you guys came in pretty quick right after we opened. Oh, yeah. It was like we were open like two days. You're like, can we come by and and use the conference room? I'm like, absolutely. It would be great to see you. And I think I get it because like I was going nuts. You know, I mean, I could work from home, but it was, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just not used to that. And, And as entrepreneurs... I don't know about you guys, but I don't really have an off switch. Like my commute home from the office or is like my time to like clear my head. And by the time I get home, I'm, I'm kind of like thought through all the BS work stuff that's been rolling around in my head and sort of sorted that out. And I can just hang with my wife and have a good dinner and, and relax a little bit. But when I'm working from home, it's like I started working at 630 in the morning you know, basically when I had my first cup of coffee or maybe my second, um, cause I'm a super early riser, but, uh, but yeah, like I didn't know when to stop. I would just kind of keep working and then suddenly it's like, Oh, okay. I guess dinner's ready. I better stop working. And then, yeah, I think that's the pleasant surprise. A lot of corporations have been discovering yeah. right? They're finding that their Shh, staff is more productive <laughs> yeah. working at home. Absolutely. But I, mean, I wonder how many new cases of agoraphobia we have as a result of this. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know. Like I can <laughs> understand that. Friend. I wanted to leave the house. Bro, bro, bro. A lot of people, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people who, if they were on the border of having something like that, it's like. Right, this is tipped them. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I used to suffer and, and you know, from a, a, a touch of the OCD around germ stuff. And I've gotten so much better about that. Like, but this has really triggered me in that regard, you know, like, uh, but um you know, uh, so I'm wiping down handles and I feel like I have to take a shower every time I go out and go, oh my gosh. <laughs> but I don't, wow. I don't, I just do the whole hand washing thing and try to avoid touching my face. But 
I used to commute on BART, Bay Area Rapid Transit, from San Francisco to the East Bay. And after that, it's like... <laughs> yeah, the, your immune system is like... I uh, think forever, ironclad. Right, right. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope that stays true. Well, it's been awesome having you guys here. I really appreciate it. You guys want to hang out? We're going to uh, do a little news here in a minute, and we could discuss some of the news and, and get your feedback on that. Um, but you guys are welcome to stay for that. One cool thing segment of the day. Every every podcast, we give you one cool piece of tech or uh, essentially one cool thing that can help your business uh, grow. And today I want to talk about a really cool service called Cloudflare. So have you ever been to a website, DeAndre, where like you'll go there and you'll see at the top it says like not secure? Yeah. So basically... That was a big shift for Google and and the other browsers out there. That they essentially, a couple of years ago, decided that they didn't really want to send traffic to sites that weren't encrypted. So basically, there's this encryption called SSL, and uh, and and it's basically like a security certificate. If you've ever been to a site and it says, "Oh, the security certificate is expired," warning, blah 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 blah. That's what they're talking about. So. Um, it used to be, you know, all, you know, most sites were not SSL encrypted. And all of a sudden, Google said, we would rather send traffic to sites that are, that are HTTPS, um, that has that SSL level uh, encryption and, uh, and a whole market of, well, I mean, these companies already existed, but suddenly everyone realized basically when they made it a factor of how high your rank on search engines, um, they, that kicked everyone into gear. So Cloudflare, cloudflare.com has a really cool free SSL certificate service that they have that will allow you to get basic, kind of the most basic level, obviously for free, um, level of encryption. So if your website has something at the top that says not secure, that means you you're you're not operating on uh, with uh, SSL uh, encryption. So this is a great solution to solve that problem. Not only, I mean, it's not like it's. To be honest with you guys, it's not. I mean, I guess it helps with security uh, to a certain extent. It's not like the be all end all. It's not all you have to do to have a secure website, but it is an important piece of it. And if it's, uh, it can also just be a bad impression. You know, imagine if you're like someone that deals with like sensitive data you know, financial stuff or something like that. Right. You come to that website and then you see not secure. Well, that doesn't exactly give you the best feeling with your brand. So that's our one cool thing of the day. DeAndre's news. Yes, sir. I'm going to start off with some local news chat uh, with the spike in demand in the food delivery space that we just spoke on earlier in response to the stay at home orders in place all throughout the country due to COVID-19. Jimmy's Bar and Restaurant in Aspen, Colorado has adjusted with the times. According to Life and Culture in the Denver Post, staffers from the bar and restaurant have been pedaling around town on bikes, delivering cocktails from a cooler in an old ice cream <laughs> cart. <laughs> yeah, the bike booze delivery services kept Jimmy's uh, team relevant and connected with the locals and vice versa during this pandemic. Needless to say, the pandemic has forced many Colorado businesses to think outside the box. Uh, Brew Hop Trolley, for example, in Longmont is uh, teaming up with Distillery Long. Um, Long Tucky Spirits to make weekend cocktail deliveries in Longmont and Boulder using a 25-foot long trolley, a trolley, as they say, called Dennis Hopper. Yeah. <laughs> Get it? Hopper? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then you got Boulder's Black Cat or, uh, Organic Farm delivering fresh vegetables and other foods to residents using a jazzed-up and painted farm truck called Mabel. 
So nice. once again, it just speaks to the creativity of entrepreneurs when, you know, they got their backs, of course, against the wall. Totally. File that in the only in Colorado category, right? Like, <laughs> I feel like we have such a great community of, like, really creative and and uh, entrepreneurial people. I love that idea of, of, you know, people riding bikes around and stuff like that, delivering food. Right. That's so cool. That's such an Aspen thing, though. I could see that happening in Boulder, too, though. Mm-hmm. The weather's got to be on point in Aspen, though, right? Yeah, right. True. Yeah. yeah I don't know if that would work in Denver. I feel like the drivers are too bad. There'd be some some serious <laughs> fatalities, you know, going on. We wouldn't want that for sure. That's awesome. Well, you know, that speaks to, you know, you know, you two, Carlos and Alana, um, you know, you guys are uh, connoisseurs of, of fine dining, you know. And uh, so I'm always asking you for the tips. It Do you, I mean, I'm super worried about our the restaurant industry as a whole, you know. I think we could have a, there could be a, a real long-term effect in that space. I was really sad to see the 12 on Madison just close. Oh, they did? Yeah. <gasps> oh, no. Mm, yeah. So they did you hear any details? Like, did they file bankruptcy or are they just literally, like, they're done? I don't know about filing bankruptcy, but it's just, it's a too small of a, of a right. space to, to be able to respect the distance that's required. Oh. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-mm. To oh. be open and only be able to have, like, three tables. I mean, right. Just... Yeah, that's a good point. It's the small restaurants. Yeah. yeah. I was just, like, my favorite uh, pho place is actually not in Denver. It's actually down south. It might technically be considered Denver, but it's like University and like 470-ish. Or like University of Rapids, it's called Fun 95. And uh, he's blessed because he has a huge space down there. Like even if he can only fill that place half capacity, he'll be doing all right. But some of the restaurants I go to around here for lunch and stuff, they're mm-hmm. like six tables. Yep. So speaking of that, there's another good Vietnamese restaurant called Anna's. Mm. That's kind of golden triangle-ish. It's on Lincoln and Ninth, and they they just reopened and they have a really big space too. Nice, so excellent. Want to try some good Vietnamese food? Ah, love love Vietnamese. And support food. some good people. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Great. What else, what else is going on in the news? That's Andrew? actually uh, the perfect segue, Chad. As most natives should be aware of, Polis uh, gave local bars and restaurants the green light to reopen with specific guidelines, including social distancing practices, occupancy restrictions, and CDC recommendations. With that said, service industry employees returning to work may be feeling a little uneasy. This provides opportunities for new businesses like Metro Atlanta-based company Virus Busters. That's right. Who you going to call? Virus Busters. <laughs> Somebody at the Right. So yeah. now they're coming to the rescue. According to their website, the disinfectant service company equipped with CDC-approved and professional-grade cleaners and solutions provide on-site assistance and aid, killing 99.9% of germs, viruses, and bacteria alike. Residential and commercial services, including houses, condos, office spaces, restaurants, and daycares are included as well. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, actually, right here in Denver, we have a a Hero Smith member called Renovair that does the exact same thing. Uh, CDC approved uh, sanitization, disinfecting. Um, I definitely, I got to connect you to it. Did you guys ever Mm -hmm. connect with them? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, because... it's amazing. They can like in a few short hours completely disinfect, you know, killing 99% of the viruses, germs, mold, all that stuff in just a few hours. And uh, so they've been doing stuff like going in nightly to to businesses and, and restaurants and stuff like that, setting up and doing like they have like a monthly subscription for those places. So it's like really affordable. They come by for a few hours it's almost like, uh, I, I mean, I don't know the technical. We'll have to have uh, Anthony and Brooke on at some point from Renovair, but um, 
but like it it's because it's like um like a fogging kind of um process it gets into all the nooks and crannies and can really kill germs that even are, are, are hidden on surfaces that could grow and and build so yeah that's yeah, that's pretty amazing. Uh, we, you know, it's funny. We started uh, working with them, and they thought the whole business was going to be mostly about uh, getting rid of odor in, mm. in houses. You know, somebody. I'm sure you guys have sold properties where grandma smoked for 50 years, mm-hmm. and you just, you know, you throw a coat of paint on it, it smells good, like paint for a few weeks, and then it smells like grandma's cigarettes again <laughs> right away. So yeah, they, they actually started out on that and then obviously COVID hit and have adapted, but yeah, that's fascinating. How long have they been in business? They're just, they're pretty new. They just started out. Okay. Yeah. They, uh, right. I think they just launched a few months ago. See what I'm saying? So even during the most disruptive and chaotic times, you always got to look for that silver lining. That's the beauty of us. The opportunity is one door closes, another one inevitably always opens. Yeah. Um, for, especially for us entrepreneurs, you know, right. I think the, the best entrepreneurs are, are uh, people that adapt to change really well. Absolutely. Know? And so uh, it, the, the quicker you can adapt to change, I mean, it's, it's you know, you look at these huge companies that, that are ad- adapting to work from home. They We could have been working from home for years now. We've had Zoom has been around for years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this could have all been going on. Um, but, uh, and, you know, some of the companies, you know, obviously now are just finding out that they'd be drag kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm. And, uh you know, it's great because like, you know, back in the day, you know, just literally like six months or a year ago, it was like a perk that some companies that were kind of, you know, uh, being more cool or uh, hip or I don't know, trying to be innovative would let their people work from home. Now that's become the norm. But anyway, I right. digress. What else is going on, Deandre? Yes, sir. Uh, last but not least, uh, one of the larger uh, headlines in mainstream media uh, came this week, actually this past Tuesday. Joe Rogan, former Fear Factor host, current UFC commentator and host of the Joe Rogan Experience, just inked a $100 million deal with Spotify, which granted the streaming giant exclusive rights to his show. The company's stock soared shortly after the news was revealed, adding $1.7 billion to its market cap in 23 minutes. To give you an Damn. idea of how monstrous the value of this deal is, a musician would need to generate 23 billion streams on Spotify <laughs> to earn what they've been paying or what they're paying Joe for his exclusive podcast rights. Ed Sheeran, one of the top streaming artists on Spotify, has just over 2.5 billion streams for a single song. And obviously, Drake um, has amassed over 28 billion streams over the past 10 years. So he was able to do all that in 23 minutes. I really wanted wow. to speak on this because obviously we're on a podcast. Right, right, yeah. I feel like the winners moving forward are going to be the ones that create content. I don't care what industry you're in. So whether right. You, whether you, um, you know, whether you're um, a podcast such as us. Whether you're a real estate agent or, or whatever, marketing or whatever. You really yeah. have to adapt to the times and start going with the digital way of things moving Absolutely. forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, content, all these huge companies are just figuring out now and you see it. Uh, in a, no, a number of ways, they're all just figuring out what us marketing people know forever, which is content is king. You right. It, it It is the, you know, it's kind of the center of everything. And so it's funny because, you know, years ago, companies were giving away their stuff to Netflix and Hulu practically. I mean, you know, like their old shows are like, sure. Yeah, we'll make a few pennies off. Get letting you stream cheers on Netflix, you know, and now it's like everyone's like, oh, wait a second. No, you can't put that on Netflix anymore. We're going to start our own NBC app. Yes. We're going to start our CBS app, Yeah, which sucks for consumers because now I've got like four subscription services and I kind of, I'm, I'm like trying to not support any of these like independent, 
ones like the like the like the big companies like CBS and and stuff uh, because I'm like no just like put your shit on, on mm-hmm. Hulu put it on Netflix I don't want like 12 subscriptions so now I'm paying like a cable bill again uh, you know can <laughs> can we just can there just be a an organization that that houses a lot of different stuff and a lot of different people and you know with Joe Rogan going to Spotify though that's um, I mean that the, they're uniquely positioning themselves I mean he is. Frankly, the king of podcasting. I mean, I've only listened to a few episodes. I, I, I you know, he seems like a, a he's a great interviewer. Um, and the, and every podcast podcast of his I've listened to has been entertaining. Um, I'm just not, you know, I don't really get into UFC and all that stuff too much. Um, so yeah, I never really was a regular listener, but he is the number one. I mean, he's, if you look at all the stats, he's got the he's the number one podcast in in America and has been for several years. So now I wonder, are they going to get all his old shows too? Right. We don't know the details of that unless yeah. he decides to disclose that. But I feel like it's an indication as far as where things are headed, as far as all these major streaming platforms pretty much competing for exclusive content. Right. You see what I'm oh, saying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that was part of the. Uh, I know that um, Sirius XM acquired pandora you know they're kind of uh spotify's main competitor um it was kind of had its moment a few years before spotify did but um you know and i think that's a sign that that the the companies like sirius xm who created a lot of content had a lot of exclusivity i think like howard stern and like different sports guys and stuff that they had that was exclusive um they're like oh wow okay so we're realizing that this like you know, in your car thing and like having like an actual satellite radio in your house is not a thing. <laughs> so they went the opposite way and bought Pandora so they could reach people on their phones that's like right. everybody else. So that's a lot of forward thinking. Yeah, we are entering a period of the content wars. And that's why I encourage all entrepreneurs to share their expertise and and create content that can, you know, invite users into sort of their world and and, you know, really position you as a resource and authority in your industry. And that, and frankly, that's why we have so many content creation assets here at Hearsmith, this podcast studio we're in right now, our photo studio, the training center, all that good stuff. Chad, are we about to wrap this up? Pretty soon, but you got another story for me? Nah, if anything, I got a question for the experts in the room. We got to take full advantage of them while they're in Heck the yeah. room. Speaking from somebody um, that just communicates with a lot of people that want real estate and want to get involved as opposed to the people that are facing foreclosure and that already have experience as far as real estate property and everything. With the environment prior to this pandemic being over 50% of Americans um, living paycheck to paycheck and having less than $500 in savings, I know there's different payment plans available as far as purchasing real estate and things like that. I want to get from the experts with y'all's experience, What's the ideal position to be in before you purchasing a real estate uh, property? I don't see. I do. I I hesitate on answering that because then I don't want people to think that they're not in a position to try. Yeah. Okay. You There's know? so many incentives for first there, time home there buyers. There are right, right. and yeah. I think that critically, you the first step is talking to a lender. Okay. I mean, you have to because. You know, and if if that means yes, of course, a stronger buyer appears better to a seller. So, in a twenty four offer situation, somebody who's got a lot of money in the bank and twenty percent to put down, yes, they're going to be more apt to go with that. But that doesn't mean that the buyer needs to go after a property like that. Right? There are lots of properties that people just pass up because they've been on the market for thirty days, right. or maybe something isn't exactly ideal about right. it. 
but that and that's where Carlos and I would come into into play is figuring out what that community is and and what that house looks like or condo looks like to to make it adapt to what it is that you want because a lot of times you're not going to you don't you never get exactly everything that you want but there no, are, you don't. but you, <laughs> there are lots of programs okay there are there are plenty of programs where uh you'll get down payment assistance. Mm -hmm. Um, There are. Yeah. I mean, 20% down. I mean, I feel like that growing up, that was the standard, right? You had to have 20% down. It still is. Is it really? It is. I just feel like maybe I just know a lot of first time home buyers. It still is with first time home buyers. So how many times out of 10, how many times out of 10 are people going to have 20% down on a 200, $400,000 property? I don't want to sound snobby. Um, so I, I would say maybe on a, a that, that end, you're going to see less. Maybe m- more people probably have 10% down. Right. When you get into the five, okay. I, I think you have to think about it in a uh, in an incremental uh, way with the way houses, what, how, how, what houses are worth. Sorry, I'm not making that much sense. But in you Denver, we have to see that our median house price has gone down, right, is what... 464 or something wow. like that. That's the so median. to even oh, be geez. buying in Denver as a single family residence, you've got to be able to unfortunately afford. Now that doesn't mean there aren't houses at 300 because right. there are, yeah. but that's just the median. So when you're looking at that range, a lot of times, because we know that the prices are higher locally, people are aware of that. And the buyers are very smart and savvy now versus maybe even 10 years ago. They're aware with financial planning of what they need to do to be competitive in certain areas. Again, that doesn't mean that you can't buy something with 5% down. You can get a loan and only put 3.5% down. Yeah, right. So that's conventional just, and FHA, by the way. So there, it does cost you more. Yeah, right. because you end up paying more on the loan right. and getting an interest. Well, you, but interest you have loan. other things like what's called mortgage insurance. Because yeah. when you only have 3.5% stake, in the game and 96 and a half is the lender's money. Right. The, the, for you to walk away, it's a lot easier because it's only three and a half percent that you mm-hmm. put in. Mm-hmm. If you put a 50% down, you're going to do whatever you can to save that house. And that's right. truly how the lender views it. It's a risk value to them. So because of that, they want you to pay insurance on top of on yeah, top of your bummer. regular payment. Yeah. I had to yeah. pay mortgage insurance on my first place. And, uh, cause we did not have, I think I was, 25 when I bought my first house, 26 maybe. And we didn't, I didn't have 20% down. Yeah. And I laugh at how much I paid for that. First and you don't, too. again, I want to reiterate, you right. don't need to have that. Right. You really don't. Yeah. And I, and I agree a hundred percent in buying versus renting. Yes. And if you can figure out a way to buy. Yes. You renting, should. Renting is a trap. Yes. You're basically paying somebody else's mortgage you know what and I, building you, their equity. You I know mean, what I compare renting to though? What's that? All right, if we're comparing rent to mortgage, rent to me is like being boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> break up is a lot simpler mm-hmm. as opposed right. to real estate. You're married now. Right. So the divorce process, yeah. it's a commitment. It's oh, a whole different process. Sure you see what I'm saying? It's not yeah, just when something breaks, up and walking you're not away. calling the landlord. Not at all. You're like, damn, there goes right. my Saturday. So that's a lot of responsibility again. to yes. assume. So yeah. is there anything you want to say on that, Carlos? Well, no, I just wanted to reiterate that there are also creative lending programs. So... You, you could even get a roommate loan. You can get, get a, a loan based upon additional income coming mm-hmm. oh, from true. a roommate that you can have, for example. Right. right. That's right. just one example of yeah. why 
Alana was recommending talking to a lender first. Yeah, that's so. They're all going to have different products. Well, and right. I, and and they'll be able to actually help you with a plan yeah. because they're going to you know they're going to pull your credit. They're going to ask for your W two. They're going to see okay, this is where we need to go. And that's what if you've got a good lender, which we do. So if anybody needs a referral, yeah, um, so uh, they're going to help you. Yeah. With that plan, and it might be six months from now, it might be a year from now, but at least you've got a plan and you're moving towards that goal. Right. I appreciate y'all's perspective. I think that a, a few of our listeners are going to definitely appreciate. Oh, absolutely. That. Especially because you know, like we talked to Brush touched on a little earlier, we don't as entrepreneurs we don't have typical income streams. You know, mm-hmm. we've got 1099, we've got you know distributions, and I remember um, it was even buying the house the first time when I was doing film stuff. I had a ton of 1099 income and then I like worked at a place for like six months. And so I had some W2 at that time, you know, this was back in like 2000 or something. I think the first time I bought. So, um, and you know, they would knock out any of that money back then. And we had to seek out, like at the time it was a real specialty lender. Now I think it's more common. Like it's easier. People realize there's more entrepreneurs, more, independent contractors and things like that. Income, it's a bit more income restrictive though than maybe the way we used to be able to do it. Like they don't allow 24 months bank statement deals anymore. They don't allow, yeah. right? Mm, you can't do, do that. Yep, yep. But you probably remember they used to allow things like that. Oh yeah, that's so, what I That's what I, I was able to do with my mm-hmm. bank statements. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned they that. they yeah. don't do that anymore. No, they don't? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say that was pre-2008. That is, yes, <laughs> yeah. that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the before life, the before times. Well, Thanks for joining us from Live from the Vault, the HeroSmith podcast. Uh, be sure to check out HeroSmith.com for all your small business marketing needs. And don't miss out uh, on working with Carlos and Alana. Check out HoodsDenver.com and uh, for all your central Denver and Denver real estate needs. And then, obviously, our friend and, and uh, diligent co-host, DeAndre Dow, NoCap.World. Uh, hit him up on the Instagram and uh, check out nocap.world. Is it, that is the website address? Right it now. is so absolutely. I forgot that. I love those vanity domains. World and stuff like that. It's great. <laughs> well, thanks again. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, DeAndre. Most definitely. Awesome. I want to thank Pine Tree Janitorial Service for our theme music. Uh, it's called All My Complaints. Very apropos for us. Check them out at pinetreejs.com or you know spotify uh hit the hit the repeat let it play all night while you're sleeping help us support these artists you know all right we'll see you next time this has been live from the vault